You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Feels like we're at a rock concert. That's a good introduction. Well, hey, right now we are kind of opening up this season of time for our hope offering. Um, basically where folks get ready uh, to give above and beyond their regular giving to help fuel and fund local missions, and um, local and global. And so I'll tell you about a couple of those that we're excited about as a staff team and as an elder team. Uh, Mexico missions. I mean, you know, we went down there, we built a house. It was really awesome. Uh, uh, one of the, the presidents of the uh, mission group down there is going to be joining us. I think it is next week for that worship night. And really, worship fuels missions. So the reason why missions even exist is because people aren't worshiping. So those are totally connected together, worship and missions. And so um, we're going to be investing into uh, more uh, projects and um, making sure we can scholarship and leave nobody behind when we go do mission trips with Mexico um, and, and whatnot. And there's a lot of questions with the coronavirus, so I get it. Um, but as well, another uh, opportunity that we really want to engage in 2021 is uh, the Navajo Nation. Um, they've been hit pretty hard, and uh, many of you guys were generous and helped support those efforts and bring in some food. Uh, we've formed a great relationship with Pastor Leroy, and we're going to continue in 2021 to help uh, bring uh, help and hope uh, into the Navajo Nation, and we're going to partner with them as well. The Hope Offering also does just really basic, cool stuff like scholarships kids for camps. So we never leave a kid behind uh, for, for, for camp. Any kid that has a legitimate need because of your generosity, 100% of every legitimate request that has come to us has been fulfilled. Um, and so we should celebrate that. That's good for our church to be able to do that. Um, So the Hope Offering does that. Hope Offering helps uh, sponsor big days. So when we did the big truck or treat and stuff like that, when we go out into the community and do different outreach stuff, that's what the Hope Offering does. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking about that as you kind of prayerfully uh, evaluating year end. This is not general fund. This is uh, fueling local and global missions. We'll send out an email and you'll have some more information about it kind of coming your way in the coming uh, weeks and days ahead. A lot of folks like to come on Christmas Eve with that gift and uh, give uh, in our giving boxes or they give online at the last second. But many people we understand that is like, hey, I need till January to calculate how I can give. So we extended it to January 15th, and that's really important for 2021 in doing missions. So anyway, enough of that. Uh, Let me pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word together. Good to be with you guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Word. I pray that it would challenge us, encourage us, and Lord, it's good to see the beginning, and it's good to see the end. And uh, as we look at your Word, we kind of see the end story, and that brings help and hope for here and now, uh, because we can see the, the the whole story. So I pray, Father, for us and, and uh, for uh, encouragement and insight, and I pray for uh, uh, understanding and courage, Lord, to live in light of uh, difficult days. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Well, hey, before I get started, I want to share with you uh, one other piece of exciting news. Uh, you might have seen that Pastor Joshua wasn't here this morning because he was out on a rock just the other day. Let's celebrate him. How cool is that? He's got married. And Kaylee Kitchens is no longer Kaylee Kitchens, Kaylee Merrick. And so we're excited about that. 
Um, well, hey, today I'm teaching on the millennial kingdom. And so uh, here's kind of a, a rough description definition that I put together. The millennial kingdom refers to Christ's reign on earth. This is a time that will follow the great tribulation and after the great battle of Armageddon. So last week I taught on the battle of Armageddon. And if you look in your Bible, Revelation chapter 19, uh, we covered that. The rider on the white horse, our King Jesus comes riding in. How awesome is that? And then Revelation chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. Um, you are seriously going to have to like put on a thinking cap or something because this stuff is challenging and confusing to understand. And so like I had to like do extra work to try to get it ready. And bummer, I just didn't sleep as great. So if I just start just going off and just off a, a rabbit trail, I'll just be like, oh, needs a little more rest. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to do what I can to help uh, give clarity to it, uh, to you, and I hope it encourages you. We're going to wrap up today, and then next week I'm going to start a brand new series called Moving Forward, and I'm going to walk through verse by verse through the book of Haggai. You're like, who's that guy? I'm going to go through Haggai, but you've never heard of that guy. Uh, I'm going to go through Haggai, and the message series is called Moving Forward. And then following that, at the end of that uh, uh, um, Scott from down at I-68 is going to wrap up that series uh, for us while I go back to Arkansas and visit my family during the Thanksgiving season. So I'm excited about this kind of next step. But let's jump into God's Word together. Um, So let's do this. Let's just read it in Revelation chapter 20. And we're going to look at chapter 20, verse 1 in the English Standard Version. I've got it on the screens this week. Many folks said, man, I couldn't fumble and fight it fast enough, so we put it back on the screens for you guys, and you're going to get to see kind of this, this big next step that happens after the, the, the tribulation and after this battle of Armageddon that I taught on last week. So the Word of God says, and the Apostle John writes, and he's writing for the future, and so that's probably one of the coolest things about the Bible is you not only get the history of the past, but you also get the future, so, so many times people come to me and say, Pastor Ryan, I feel like sometimes the, the Bible is just like, it's like a history book looking back, but it also looks forward. So you, you get to see what happens moving forward. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, and the Apostle John says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Sounds very familiar of exactly what you've heard elsewhere. Holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he seized the dragon and the ancient serpent who is the what? The devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. So he's got him on a chain and and then he binds him for a thousand years. Notice that word thousand years. Like just watch this. This is why the millennial, when we see the word millennial in the Latin, the word is uh, 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 milli, which is a thousand, and annum is years. So watch the thousand years reference, and you'll see kind of a story of what happens here. So he's, uh, Satan is bound uh, for a thousand years. Again, this is after the Battle of Armageddon. For a thousand years, he's bound. He threw him into the pit and shut it, this is the Lord, and sealed it over him so that he may not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. I'm just going to move through this, and then I'll come back and try to explain some of it. Um, so after this, after, after that, he must be released for a little while. You're like, what? Satan's got to get released? 
That's what it said. Verse 4, Then I saw the throne, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast. Who is the beast? We learned about that. The Antichrist. I heard somebody say, the Antichrist. Good job or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. Remember that number is 666, so that's a number you don't want. Um, They came to life and reigned with Christ for what? A thousand years. So these tribulation saints, I believe there's a reference to that, they're they're going to, they survive and they're uh, reigning with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him. That means to rule and to reign. That means to govern responsibility for how long? A thousand years. Again, there's that word. And then look again, verse 7. And when the thousand years were ended, or are ended, Satan will be released from prison, like, what? And verse 8, and will come out and deceive the nations that are, out, uh, that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain on the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, and and. And the beloved city, that beloved city is Jerusalem, but fire came down from heaven. That means God's at work. He's protecting Jerusalem. And consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And that's a lot. And so what you see here is that there is a description of a thousand-year reign. You see uh, saints and believers that are ruling and reigning with Christ. You're like, wow, that's cool. Okay, you get the thousand years, you see that. But then you see something happen with Satan where he is bound for a thousand years. And then during that entire thousand-year reign, Satan is like locked up, has no, he can't do anything. And at the end of that thousand-year reign, what happens? He's brought up and he's tossed, into the lake of what? Fire. And who was already there? The beast and the false prophet. So the Antichrist got there first, then Satan is tossed in second. And so God had, his, he, he finished it right there. So Satan is out of the picture at the end of this thousand year reign. But I want to kind of rewind the clock for today's topic and talk about that thousand years where Satan is bound as Scripture says, and what is earth going to be like? In today's time, there's a lot of questions and concerns about the, just the, how, how we're doing as a country and how the world's doing all together. I mean, you turn on the news and it's like global warming or threats of war. Russia's going to do this. Iran's going to do that. Turkey's going to do that. And it just can be nerve-wracking. I can remember as a, uh, it was a couple of years ago, right? My little daughter would come home from school and she'd be like, Dad, is North Korea going to blow us off the face of the earth? I'm like, I hope not. Where are you watching this? Where are you hearing this? But this is the culture in which we grow up in. And kids today, I mean, they're scared. They're going to go to school. They're going to get shot. Or or is is something going to happen? Like, we are inundated with, like, there's trouble and drama in the world. And so the Bible tells us that there is a day coming when on earth, 
there will be a peace on earth like never seen before. And so I believe after studying the scripture that there is an absolute literal uh, reign of Jesus Christ that is so powerful and so compelling and so cool and so different than anything ever seen. And it will be the foreshadowing of the new heaven and the new earth. So look in your Bible, if you will. I don't have it on the screen, but you can see after the defeat of Satan, there is this judgment, great white throne that is for all unbelievers. They're going to have to face Jesus. And then all those who rejected him, even during the tribulation, they're going to be tossed into the lake of fire. That's hell. And then you get Revelation chapter 21. Look in your Bible there just for a second. And it says there's a new heaven and a new earth. So the millennial kingdom is a foreshadowing of this new heaven and new earth. And you're like, to me, you might be like, well, what happens if I die right now? Like, come on, you go to heaven. That's what you do. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So you go to heaven and heaven is far greater than what we're experiencing right here and now. But did you know that God's plan is not static, but it is dynamic? It is progressively unfolding. It is moving forward in time, in history. He didn't just create heaven and it is as it always will be. Like, no, 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 He's bringing heaven to earth. So in the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Millennial kingdom, thousand year reign. That's gonna be kingdom come. That's gonna be cool. Um, How about this one? Uh, When the angel came to Mary, remember this? The angel said, hey, Mary, This Jesus, he will inherit the throne of his father, King David, and he will rule from King David's throne. Or how about Samuel said the same thing. Jesus is said to have, that that Messiah will reign literally on earth as a king. That didn't happen in the first coming. It's going to happen in this second coming. These days uh, that are, this millennial kingdom will be different. Uh, Chuck Swindoll says this, uh, peace will become the banner of all people. The light of justice will illumine every corner of the world. The condition uh, will not be achieved through educational funding, political change, social programs, cultural awakening, or even religious revival. True global transformation will occur only when Satan and his minions are ousted, allowing Jesus Christ and his glorified saints to rule over the earth. Isn't that cool? You're like, I don't know. I'm like, yes, it's very cool. It is very cool. Because it's like a, like Phoenix will be glorified Phoenix. And I think that's even like kind of cool because if you think of the word Phoenix and the, the mythology re- reached behind that and the meaning behind it, it's like this thing that came up out of ashes and like, like Phoenix is going to get glorified, man. Like it's going to be different. And I think it's going to be green, Lord willing, Right? It's a lot of brown here. I got a buddy who came, he says, I want to move over to Phoenix with you, man, but I got to be honest with you, man. I served in a couple tours over in the Middle East, and it kind of reminds me of Baghdad. And I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. Like, don't move here if you're going to go into shell shock. Like, no pressure, okay? Um, But I think we've confused the first coming and the second coming, and this is why so many Jews have not trusted Jesus Christ, because what they wanted, they wanted Jesus in his second coming. White horse, power, literal reign from Jerusalem, a king. But but that's happening. It just hasn't happened yet. 
And so the Jewish folks are frustrated. No, 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 no. King Jesus never showed up. No, no, no. That peasant, that preacher guy? No, no, he got crucified. Oh, yeah, Pilate etched on his cross King Jesus, and they crucified him. But that wasn't our king. Our king's powerful. And so we get it confused, too, about the first coming and the second coming. Um, How many of you guys know Joy to the World, the song Joy to the World? Let's look at that song just for a minute. Uh, Isaac Watts is a guy who wrote the song. Um, he's just this old school guy. He's like the father of hymnology, if you will. A real smart dude. Um, he, the first hymn, this hymn appeared in 1719. So this is before the birth of our country, 1776. And he took the word joy to the world from Psalms 98, which actually has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. And we sing it like crazy at Christmas time. Like, that's my favorite song, Joy to the World. That, I love that song. So let's look at this and just realize like, no, 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 Isaac's got it, dude. Like, watch this. The second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, Isaac watched Joy to the World. Ready? Here we go. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. This like total restoration, this new world, the whole world receives Jesus. Has that happened yet? Okay, let's keep going. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods and rocks, hills and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Is all of creation singing and just praise for, for, for Jesus and all that? No. Do you know what Romans says? Romans says that creation is subjected to futility, that it's groaning, like earthquakes. Like, I think that's a, the earth is like moaning, is waiting for Jesus to come back. Look what it says no more sin. Uh, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found, as far as the curse is found. And then let's look at this last verse. He rules the world with truth and grace. He makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and so on. So let me ask you a question about joy to the world. Did the things really happen that we just read about? Let me, let me ask you a question like this. Did earth receive her king? No, we crucified that king. That's what the earth did. They crucified Jesus, and they put a script, a, a passage right over his head, put it in all sorts of different languages, and said, king of the Jews, crucified. He wasn't received. He was rejected. Did earth really receive her king? No. Are rocks and hills and, and, and plains repeating the sounding joy? No. How about this? Is sin and sorrow gone from our world? I don't think so. Are all the thorns and the thistles gone? No. I was out just the other day and got messed up with my dog. We were out on the trail right back here and jumping choya. I hate those things. Those are, from the, those are terrible. When I first moved here, they were like, look out for jumping choya. I'm like, is that like a praying mantis but worse? It's like a live plant. Just Are the sin and sorrows gone? No. Is is there curse? Has the curse been lifted? Do the nations really acknowledge his righteousness? No. So is there something wrong with joy to the world? No, not at all. The song's absolutely biblically true. We just 
terribly got it wrong on when we sing it. We sing it like it's the first coming of Jesus Christ. Earth did not receive her king. Earth will receive her king. And that happens in the millennial kingdom. The world's rejected Jesus Christ, not received him. The world hasn't been transformed yet. The world is struggling and moaning and groaning, awaiting Christ's return, according to Romans 8. Everything in the world has been infected, affected by sin and by Satan. So what's happening? We're singing a really good song at just the wrong time. I love the song, Joy to the World. I remember when I... um, was down at Dallas Seminary. I had a, a, a bunch of exams that were going on, and I had a book just like this, and I had all my exam notes in it. And I lived in downtown Garland, and I'd jump on the dart rail, I'd ride down to um, 75th, uh, 70, Freeway 75, got off at City Place, jumped on a bus, and then from the bus, I'd ride uh, my bike or walk to the campus. And one day, I left all my notes, my exam notes, on that bus. And I remember I was listening to Joy to the World, and I was like, Lord Jesus, I have no joy. And so I felt like the Lord said to me, Ryan, just go back to that bus stop, and maybe that guy will circle back by. And so I went back to the bus stop, and here's this dude, this bus driver, I mean, downtown Dallas, busy, busy, millions of people. And he holds up my folder and goes, looking for this, son? And I was like, Joy to the World. And you know, it was really cool. Um, that song made such an impression on me as a believer in that moment, because you know you have the Holy Spirit moments in your life where you're like, Lord, you're good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And a song can kind of like, like stick in your mind, like, and it helps shape a point in time in your life. Well, that song meant so much to me. And so I, I remember I kept it. And then I was like, Lord, what do I do? And this bus driver, because I spent time with him. We were out on the bus. And he'd drive me around, you know, from stop to stop from time to time. So I, I burned a CD. It was Aaron Neville's. Like, that was his Joy to the World song. I burned the CD. I get a little Starbucks gift card. And I show up. And I give it to my bus driver one day. And then, like, the net, from that point on, like, me and him are buddies. He saved my butt. I was about to fail my exams if it weren't for him looking out for me and getting me that folder. But this joy to the world, there can be joy. There is joy. Should we sing it at Christmas? Yes, we should. But don't think it's the, that's what happened. Because you get a Jew who walks into a Christmas service and says, well, none of that happened. No, he, he's not reigning and ruling. He's dead. That's what they would say. He was a good prophet. He's not reigning and ruling. And as a Christian, you ought to be smart enough to go, you're right, he's not reigning and ruling literally on earth, but the Bible says one day he will. And we're awaiting that kingdom. So now you're starting to make sense. So just be careful. How many times have you heard a song and you just start singing it and the next thing you know, you're like, hey, you ought to listen to the song. And then they're like, dude, do you know what the lyrics are saying in that? And then you're like, oh man, like snap, like I don't even pay attention to that. So joy to the world, good song, keep singing it. Just remember, it's talking about a millennial kingdom. So three points on this coming millennial kingdom. Uh, Number one, that King Jesus will bring peace and prosperity. Every politician, every uh, uh, political leader, they promise you peace and prosperity. And truth be known is everybody's going to fall short, but not King Jesus. He will bring a peace and a prosperity on this thousand-year reign on earth before he creates a new heaven and a new earth, a peace and prosperity like never, ever seen before. 
Isaiah 2.4 uh, talks about this. Uh, the prophet predicted this. He's, it says this, uh, he shall judge between the nations. He's a judge. You're not a judge. I'm not a judge. Jesus is a judge. And shall decide disputes for many peoples. Peoples, that's ethnic groups. That means lots of peoples, people groups. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. What? And their spears into pruning hooks. Here's the meaning. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither will they learn war anymore. In other words, like war's done. During that thousand year reign that I told you about, there's peace on earth. That's what the angel was talking about. Remember? When the angel said, uh, to, to, to the group of shepherds, and he talked about this. He talked about this, this passage, this idea that there's going to be peace on the, on the earth. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. The angels shouted out, and they said, you know, when Jesus was born, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. So when does that peace come? It hasn't come now. Why, why do I say that? I mean, come on. Turn on the TV. Like, I, I, I don't know. I did some research. I found out there's like 192, 197 countries in our world, and depending on who you ask, but, you know, each of these countries have their own president or their person in power and leadership, and I don't think there's hardly a time in our world history when one of these countries isn't going to war or talking about war or threatening with war. We don't have peace. The millennial kingdom's not now. It, it's not happening. We don't have peace. There's an uneasiness. I mean, like I said, Russia, Turkey, Iran, or North Korea, they're always making threats to blow somebody off the face of the earth. That's the world we live in. But the Bible says the angels actually announced it at the birth of Christ. Let's look at that passage one more time. They announced it in a prophetic sense that there would be peace on the earth. And so here's the deal. Can angels prophesy? Yeah, absolutely. Did, did people get it confused? A lot of them did. Because the Jewish people did for sure, because they're like, well, he didn't bring peace. No, 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 time out. Psst. He didn't bring peace because he wasn't supposed to bring peace completely in that time period. He's going to bring peace to the earth later in the millennial kingdom. So what we see here is that there's the, the angels are announcing that this peace is, is going to come. Note what one scholar said this. He says, war will be utterly unknown during the earthly reign of Christ. Not a single armament of a plant will be operating. Not a soldier, not a sailor will be in uniform. No military camps will exist. Not one cent will be spent on a military budget. Even wild animals will become dear friends, as it were. Imagine such an age in which all the kingdoms of the world and even the animal kingdom will be in perfect peace. Like... This is just a different time frame that the Bible's predicting, that it's trying to tell us about. Um, recently, my daughter and my wife went up to, uh, out of Africa, you know that place? And uh, my daughter's walking along this fence line, and there's this, um, I, what do they call them, those things? Not jackals, but the, I called it a javelina earlier, but they're hyena. Yeah, I told her at the first service, I was like, she's walking along, and this javelina was like looking at her, wanting to eat her. And they were like looking at me, I'm like, I mean, hyena, not javelina. That'd be a ripoff. Go to out of Africa and see a bunch of javelina running around. Like, dude, like anything better than that? 
So, so this hyena is like prouncing around about to, like my wife said, it's the first time I've ever seen prey drive on a hyena that wanted to eat our daughter. And she was like, I'm glad that fence was there. I'm like, yeah. So that's, we're not in the millennial kingdom. There's not this kind of peace that's going on. There's not this kind of uh, joy that's working through our world between, you know, um, animals and people. I mean, you look at things like Narnia, again, C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, and they're like, there's this cool chemistry between the animal life and the people, you know, and there's like, it's different. And, and maybe, I mean, I mean, God loves creation. Some of you are like, does he love dogs? Yeah, he loves dogs, but he hates cats. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I, I think he probably loves cats too. I'm sure he does. I mean, but, but I'm just saying like, and, and so like you, this bond, uh, a man's best friend is a dog. Like, I mean, we got to do better than that. But I mean, still there's something there. There's something really cool. There's going to be a piece that have never been seen before. There's, there's going to be peace. There's not going to be fighting and warring and rioting and looting. There's not going to be armies and militias and no soldiers, no police, no prisons, no jails. The people will have peace on earth. Like the angels' words, peace on earth, will be like, this is it. This is it. That's what we were waiting for. And so there will not only be peace, though, guys, in this coming world, like praise God, there's going to be prosperity. It's not poverty, it's prosperity. Ezekiel 34, 26, 27, and the Lord speaks through the prophet Ezekiel and says, I will make them and the, and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season, and they shall be showers of blessing. Like you ever heard people say before, man, I'm just hashtag blessed, baby. Like you ought to claim that. We are blessed as believers. Like we have a, even though we go through terrible times and tough stuff, we got blessings. And, and in the future, it even gets better in this millennial kingdom. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Like farmers are going to be happy because they get crops harvested. And the earth shall yield its increase and they shall be secure in their land and they shall know that I am the Lord. There's prosperity. So, I mean, all, all in today's time, like, we struggle sometimes. Some people are like, man, I just don't know how I'm going to make my rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this issue. Like, we're talking about a peace and a prosperity like never seen before. Um, I guess it was in September, uh, President Trump and uh, the president of the Arab nations and the president of Israel signed this treaty called the Abrahamic Accord. A very, very, very uh, historical moment. And part of the language in that accord was peace and prosperity. Like, that's a really cool thing. We long for peace and prosperity. Why is that? Because God made us, man. Like, something in us desires and longs for peace. And, and, and so the peace and the prosperity that we see here and now is just a shadowing of what is to come. And you and I know that we can't keep a world with complete peace. Like, it's just not happening. Um, as long as there's sin, as long as there's Satan, there's going to be war. There's going to be famine. There's going to be death. There's going to be destruction. There's going to be crime. There's going to be corruption. Like, that's the world we live in. But there is hope for a future that he's going to make things right. So what's going to happen in this millennial kingdom? Number two, King Jesus is actually going to provide us with meaningful work and a rewards program. So some of you are like, ah, snap. I thought I was going to coast. 
I mean, how many of you are looking forward to retirement? Just be honest. Come on. All right. Me too. I am. Like I'm thinking, this is probably an indicator of how my parenting's going. My wife and I are like, dude, are you ready for retirement? What are we going to do when we retire? You know, I'm like, we'll travel, we'll do this or do that, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of mindset. However, there's something wrong with productivity. Like if we go inactive, I mean, the Bible verse is true, right? Proverbs 16, 27, uh, the living Bible says, idle hands are what? The devil's workshop. You do nothing, you get into trouble. You need something to do, especially if you're going to be living like, you know, in the millennial kingdom, like it's going to tell us that like people live forever. And so you're going to be there. And so what are we going to do? Well, you need to know that God designed you to work. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God's designed you to work. Like this is going to start bringing into impact into the way you work now. Like, so if you work now and you enjoy it, praise God. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work is tied into your identity. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, you were created in Christ Jesus for good. Help me out. Works. And did you know it says before the foundations of the earth, he made you in that. So you and me have good work to do if you're bringing justice and and running your beats on the streets, or if you're a tech guy or a finance guy or a nurse or a teacher, whatever be the case, your work matters to God. There's going to be work in in the uh, millennial kingdom. Genesis 2.15 tells us that work is not a curse. In Genesis 2, um, God says, as soon as he made Adam, he goes, I put him in the garden to work it. So People that say, you know, I just work because I have to, you know, and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, like you're missing out on your design. God made you to work. Doesn't mean that every job is awesome, but God made us to work. You know, here's an indication in Matthew 25. There's Jesus talks about um, that the, the life that you live right now, the work that you do, the, the effort that you put into, if you're a student, your job is school. If you're a, a, a stay-at-home mom raising your kids, your job is to raise those kids. If you're working part-time in the workforce, that's your job. If you're working full-time, that's your job. If you're retired and you're intentionally uh, being productive to do good things, then that's your work, okay? But Jesus says basically this in Matthew 25, this phrase, and let's unpack it. He says, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. What's he mean there? What he means is that that you and me, the life that we live right now, when we're faithful to the little things, then he'll start entrusting us with more. And in the millennial kingdom, Jesus is talking in a future sense here in this context of Matthew 25 with his disciples that there's going to be actually some pretty significant responsibilities going on. And so, like, I don't know what I get to do. Like, I'm like, am I, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've always thought maybe, like, this is kind of probably, I don't know if this would work, but I'm like, okay, if there's going to be a big feast in heaven and there's going to be, like, food in, in this millennial kingdom and then the new heaven and the new earth and there's going to be lots of food, lots of parties and lots of fun, like, somebody's got to have food. So I'm like, well, I'll go hunt. Lord, could I go hunt for you? And I'll, I'll get the meat. I'll bring the bacon. You're like, wait a second, bacon, not, not kosher. No, I think we're good. Apostle Paul settled that earlier in the New Testament, so we're good. 
Okay, so let's look at just one commentator says this about work. He says, consider, uh, you know, service is a reward, not a punishment. So in the future, our service to God is going to be a reward. It's not a punishment. The idea is foreign to people who dislike their work and only put up with it until retirement. We think that uh, that faithful work should be rewarded by a vacation for the rest of our lives, but God offers us f- something very different, more work, more responsibilities, increased opportunities, along with greater abilities, resources, wisdom, and empowerment. We will have sharp minds, strong bodies, clear purpose, and unabated joy. So it's going to be like the best work day you ever had. I don't, I don't know for you, uh, but when you have a really good work day, all the projects come together, the money's there, the team works in unison, no bickering, no fighting. It's like, you're like, dude, I feel like I crushed it today. You're like feeling good. This is that. It's just going to be, it's going to work. And so what you have to get into your mind now is that your time here on earth is training time for future reigning time. Let me say that again. Your time here on earth is just training time for future reigning time. So God is using your life now as an opportunity to give you responsibilities in the future. So it's not like we're a bunch of widgets or robots that just kind of push into this uh, weird environment. Like, no, 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 the new heaven, the new earth, and back it up. The millennial kingdom is going to be a lot like what we have here and now, but glorified. All of creation is going to come together in a new sense There'll be rewards. You've heard it said when Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, And we all long to hear those words. And so here's the point. Our King Jesus invites us, all of those who have served him here on this earth, to receive an inheritance that has been prepared by him. So Matthew 25, those of you uh, note takers, outline makers, you might just jot uh, this verse down. It's not on the screen, but Matthew 25, 34 tells us that Jesus himself has prepared an inheritance, a reward for us. And so our faithfulness tremendously matters. Secondly, Jesus has promised to repay each one of us for what we did or what we did not do. So you and me, you're like, God's going to give us something, some kind of responsibility and opportunity for us uh, in this uh, life to come. Number three, and here's a big one, that will happen in the millennial kingdom is that King Jesus will restore all of creation. That is probably perhaps the one that we look forward to the most. I think sometimes we get a little confused and we see a new heaven and a new earth and we see obviously right there, it's like heaven and earth kind of like are, they're together. I think in the millennial kingdom, like earth and heaven, they're just, they're close, but they're not fully together. But, but, but that look in your Bible, if you look back at it, like in Revelation chapter 20, you get this thousand-year reign and all sorts of promises and predictions. And then in chapter 21, you get the new heaven and the new earth. So this millennial kingdom is going to be the beginning of a full-on restoration um, like we've never seen before. Today, if you turn on the TV, like you see what? Global warming, you see air pollution, like... It's just hot in Phoenix, like terribly hot sometimes. Like what in the world? Like didn't we hit a record high and just the other day? It's like, it's never been this hot. You know, it's just really hot. I've heard people say they can fry eggs on the sidewalk. Like it's hot. The world is not restored. It's not as it ought to be. There's 7.6 billion people living in our planet right now. And there's questions about sustainability, you know? And I think we really need to look at that. I mean, as the world's growing, the population is growing, But this kingdom 
to come, the Bible tells us that we don't need to worry. What are some characteristics? Let me just uh, share with you about human life. Human life is going to be extended like crazy. People are going to live forever. Um, Isaiah 65, 20 says, no longer will babies die when only a few days old. Uh, No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the, the cursed will die that young. The Bible doesn't give us absolute clarity here, but what it does tell us is that there's an absolute prolonged life period. Like people are just going to live forever. And it's going to be very odd for anybody to die uh, on this earth uh, 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 prematurely. And so the Bible tells us, in a sense, that um, there's just going to be this prolonged life period, according to Isaiah. Um, not only that, but there is also the plant life will be totally different. Um, I mentioned that going out on a hike and you step on a cactus and that kind of thing, like that things, those things are going to be gone. Thorns and thistles no more, like Isaac Watts said in Joy to the World. Like, those things still are here. Like, we're waiting on this transformation of all of creation. The wilderness uh, will be dry land, the scripture says, and be glad the desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like, no more Baghdad-looking phoenix. Like, now it's a, like a glorified, beautiful phoenix. And then it says, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. So, I mean, just consider what that will look like. These brown deserts will be full of green mountains. When there was no rain, now there will be showers and streams. And the world will be closer to what the Garden of Eden was like. That's what it will be like. So when we read in the Garden of Eden, like, it's kind of like a full circle. Like God's, I think the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like a, like a garden city running from Jerusalem, this incredible uh, garden city, returning back to how it was prior to sin entering the world. And so, you know, I mean, it's just going to be different. I mean, right now uh, for, for uh, human health concerns, like we're more aware of it in, with human health. Like right now, if somebody sneezes, you know, it's scary times because sickness is in our world, you know, like COVID-19 changed the sneeze. Or the cough. Like back in the day, right, pre-COVID, we used to say, God bless you. Now we're like, ah! You know, all that's going to be gone. Like, no, no more of that. Like, we're good. And the plant life will be different. And the animal life will be different. Look what I, in Isaiah eleven six it says this, in that day, future reference, the wolf and the lamb will live together and the leopard will lie down with the baby goat. Like, they're just all going to be buddies. Like, like, what are they going to eat? I don't know. But that's what the Bible says. I guess they're going to eat grass. I'm like, I don't want to be a vegetarian. But, you know, I don't think we're going to be vegetarians because if you think about it, like, even in the Israelites, they they, 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 they like, got, boy, that was a lot. <laughs> I knew it would catch up with me. I'm wrapping it up here. But they got manna. You remember that from heaven? But they also ate quail. So I'm like, I'm with you, Lord. I'll get those quail. But the animal life is going to be different, you know? Um, Someone said this, if you think we are in the millennium, why don't you try putting a wolf in a pen with a lamb and why don't you just see what happens? If you put a wolf in a pen with a lamb, it'd eat it up. 
P.T. Barnum, the famous circle showman, he, he loved to show visiting preachers his exhibit, and he called it the happy family, in which he would put lions and tigers and panthers squatted all around a lamb for this showcase uh, 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 deal. And they, the lion, the tiger, and the panther will all be squatted around this lamb and without any aggression. And then when the visiting preachers would ask Barnum if the group ever had any trouble, he would reply, well, apart from replenishing the lamb, now and then they get along pretty good. So the truth is, is that we are not in the millennium. That day is to come. And so when you and me look at the storyline of our world, like, guys, if you get to, to get this through your heart and through your head, is like, God tells you what happened in the beginning. And then he tells you that he's the alpha, the beginning. And then he tells you he's the omega. He's the end. And then we get to learn what happens in the end. That sure helps you deal with how to live life. Now, I want to encourage you, you, you need to be eternally optimistic. Uh, despite your setbacks, your hardships, the things that you're going, you've got to be eternally optimistic. You've got to be rooted and secured in hope, no matter what hard day you face. Because the storyline for the Bible and for Christians is a great story. And it's a story of hope, it's a story of promise, and it's a story for a future this tells you what happened in the past, how it all began, and tells us where we're all going to go and how it's all going to work. And it's not static. God's kingdom is dynamic. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for today and for everybody here who's been a part of this series online, outside, on site. I pray, God, that you would use this series to shape a Christian worldview, that you're in control, that you're sovereign over every nation that you know every nation has an expiration day and that you one day will return and that you will restore the world to a peace and a prosperity like never seen before. And Father, ultimately, we've got to put our faith and trust in you above all other things and all other people, all other systems, Father. And Lord, we await a future day where it's not a democracy or a republic, but it's a theocracy. It's a government ruled by God, you King Jesus. So Lord, today I pray for my friends that have not placed their faith in you, that today would be the day that they place their faith in you and say, take my life, King Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I submit to you as you're the King and I'm not. And Lord, for all of us today, might we just make a greater allegiance to our King and say, God, I'm, I'm with you. I'll trust in you. In trying times, in, in the good times and the bad times, I'll trust in you. Thank you for your plans and purposes. I'll claim hope. I'll claim victory. I'll claim that in my life in the name of Jesus. Lift us out of despair and any discouragement, Lord, and fill us with faith and hope and love. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.